Welcome back to another episode of Back to the Futures, the official podcast of the Futures League presented by 78 Sports. I'm Owen Shadrick alongside Mr. Matt Ferreira. Matt, how are you doing today? Doing amazing. We got to see some Futures League baseball and keep on going. Keep on going. We're keep on keeping on here. We are recording this here on Friday, July 7th. So we're going to do a little standings update for you from that day. The Worcester Bravehearts are in first place, and they have now pulled away in first place. They're three games above second place. Vermont Lake Monsters, Norwich, and New Britain round out the playoff field. Westfield not far behind, only three games out with Pittsfield behind them. Nashua and Brockton continue to hold up the bottom. Matt, who's playing well? On the pitching side of things, in the last seven days, George Welch in two games has pitched just over five innings with six strikeouts, only allowing two hits and no runs. And on the batting side of things, our player of the night last night on Thursday, Nick Sears, he's been doing really well over the last seven days, staying hot. He had a home run last night, and he's had two in the last seven days, along with three walks. So he's been doing his thing, just hitting and seeing the ball very well. Yeah, it's good to hear. And from guys inside the Futures League to guys who have gone to the pros, Pirates prospect and former Westfield Starfire Nick Dombrowski continues to dominate in the minor leagues. In the month of June, he went 17 and two-thirds innings pitch, allowing just four runs and has a 204 ERA. Congratulations to Nick and keep doing your thing, man. You're killing it. In terms of Futures League content, it's been a lot of rainouts this week, but we appreciate you guys staying with us. We hope everybody had a great 4th of July. Uh, on this episode, we have Shane Audette, who is a five-year veteran of the Futures League. He has seen it all. He started on North Shore in 2018 and 2019 before being with Westfield for the last three years. Matt, he had a lot to say. Yeah, and for sure, like we mentioned in the podcast, the veteran of the veterans, he's just had a very insightful pitching career and just all around a great baseball mind. Yeah, great baseball mind that we're excited for you guys to hear from. In terms of our content, be sure to tune in to Inside the Futures League, Episode 2 with the Nashua Silver Knights and Episode 3 with the New Britain Bees are live and ready for your eyes and ears on YouTube. We also have Futures League quick hits on Instagram, so be sure to check those out. But Shane Audette is our focus today. He is our guest for Episode 7. Matt, I think it's time. Oh, it's time. Oh, it's time. Shane Audette, the five-year veteran of the Futures League, great baseball mind, great pitcher for the Westfield Starfires. Let's send you there to Shane Audette. We are honored to be joined by our next guest here on Back to the Futures. He is back for another year in the Futures League and his third year with the Westfield Starfires. It's Shane Audette. Shane, how are you doing today? Good, guys. How are you doing? We're doing well, man. And... I mentioned it off the top. You are back for your fifth year in the league. You were in the Futures League for a couple of years with North Shore and the last three with Westfield. How does it feel to be back? Uh, it's kind of crazy. Didn't really expect it. But uh, due to injury, I kind of had to had the opportunity to come back, which I'm thankful for, for sure. And like we've said, you started with North Shore and then you moved on to Westfield. What about the Futures League keeps you coming back, even though there's multiple leagues you could keep playing for? Uh, kind of just the fans and the atmosphere. I mean, my time in North Shore was amazing. Um, I was lucky enough to have an amazing host family there. Um, and then I obviously got hurt. So coming back through the process, I actually got signed through Westfield by the actual the tryout uh, three years ago. So once they kind of took a chance on me, once I was injured, I, I felt like 
made the most sense close to home and play in front of family. So it all worked out. Yeah. Talk about that trial for a minute. I, I did know that, that you were picked up by Westfield out of the trial. What was it like kind of getting the chance to showcase yourself in front of the different futures league coaches and the, uh, getting the ability for Westfield to pick you up? Um, it was, it was kind of surreal. Um, that was my first time competitively on a mound in over 600 days. Um, so honestly, I wasn't really results driven in that matter. I was just kind of trying to prove I was healthy and hopefully I would get a chance. Um, and Westfield gave me that, which I'm still very thankful for. And you're one of many guys this season who have come back to their respective teams and to the league overall. What does it say about the culture of the Futures League that guys continue to want to come back? I think it's just the fans and, and the communities that we're in that make us want to come back. Um, in Westfield, I know we have a good good uh, higher-ups and, and the fan base is, is really loyal. So it makes it easy to come back and, and play for them. Yeah, one thing about the Futures League and specifically in Westfield is the fact that upper management and coaches in, in Westfield want so much for that team. They'll put they put their blood, sweat, and tears into that team. What does it say about them and about Westfield that, you know, the owners are there every game putting in the effort to make sure that you guys are properly uh properly fed, properly taken care of, and that the fans are there to have a good time. I mean, it says a lot. We definitely don't take it for granted at all. Um, we go out there every day and we try and play as hard as we can for them. Um, we see what they do. Like, I don't know any other front office or interns or anything that are helping with tarp poles and other stuff like that. So it definitely means a lot to us to see them do that and then wish the best for us on the field. And we talked about it a little bit already on how you're one of the longest tenured players in the Futures League, what were your first impressions of the league and how has it changed since? Um, so coming in, I was obviously a little nervous. That was like my first full year of pitching in college. Um, and so I honestly didn't really expect to do too well, um, but I ended up having some success. And then I feel like now it's kind of more talented in a sense. You have a lot of because of COVID and the portal and everything, you have a lot of older guys who are in the league still, um, which creates more talent. And then the level of play over the years has just kind of slowly sped up, like we see in the MLB with pitch speeds, exit velocities, everything. So it's just kind of translating everywhere. Yeah, the game continues to grow everywhere in baseball and, in, and especially in, in our leagues and the other summer leagues. And I know this is a little bit ago, but 2018, you were, you pitched for North shore. How were you originally recruited to play in North shore? And what were your kind of initial reactions when you found out you'd be playing summer ball? Um, so our coach at the time who was coach Shank in the fall, he kind of put you in a spot to play in the summer. Um, my roommate was a catcher uh, who was also a freshman and we both got paired for North shore. I had no idea what the futures league was or like what to expect or anything. Um, so I did some research on it, looked into it, and found out it was a really good league. So I was I was a little nervous, obviously, like I said, coming in. But um, once you get your feet wet in something, it kind of just – it's baseball at the end of the day. So you kind of just do what you've always known. And jumping forward to this season, your first game back came on June 20th, and you've made two other appearances since. How are you feeling right now out of the game? Uh, honestly, not great. Um, 
feel like I'm a little out of shape, but that's that's what happens after injuries. You kind of have to grind your way through the first couple outings, and then hopefully you start to feel better. Yeah, and that'll happen with injuries. And you have battled injury in the past, and and you've continued to battle back. How difficult has that been for you? And what's it like to have this league and obviously NEC as an outlet to continue to come back and pitch in meaningful games? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's meant a lot. The the whole process has been kind of tough. When I when I got my first elbow surgery in 2019, um, I wasn't sure if I was going to play again, and then I needed the second one the next year, so I essentially quit for a little bit kind of wanted to get like mentally healthy physically healthy and then kind of see what was from there um but i've been fortunate enough to have good people around me good coaches around me and and like mentors and everything kind of helped me through the whole process so i'm very thankful for it and right now the starfires had a bit of a skid to start july what do you guys have to do to reclaim a playoff spot uh, we kind of just have to play clean baseball. I feel like we haven't been playing the best in all facets. Um, Defense-wise, either it's really good one day and then pitching is in. It's just kind of putting all three facets of the game together to kind of make a run. Because, I mean, we do have the talent to do it. Um, it's just a matter of putting it all together. Yeah, the talent is certainly there. And it's only July. You've got about a month before playoffs, so there's plenty of time for you guys to recover. And speaking of playoffs, last year the Starfires made the playoffs for the first time in franchise history, which you were a part of. What did that mean to be part of that, especially after playing for the team in 2021 previously? Uh, it was really cool, honestly. The last game of the year was kind of crazy. Um, it was kind of all hands on deck. We had Jackson Horning come up in the, the ninth, who was hurt for basically the last two weeks of the season. Um, and get like the biggest hit I've ever seen in my life. So it was honestly really cool seeing the people celebrate with us when we walked off, like not just the, the players, like the front office. And, and we, I think we were at the field that night for probably six more hours. So it, it meant a lot for everyone, for sure. And you've been through the ups and downs of the Starfires, and you're a veteran of the veterans in that clubhouse. What are you telling guys who are new to the league to help them get better as the season goes on? I mean, I, I kind of just hang out with the pitchers, so that's more of – my my cup of tea but um just guys are worried about innings or or results right now and and realistically the league isn't to care about what happens obviously we all want to win but it's to get better for next year and to see what you can improve on so kind of just like staying the same every day keeping the same mindset like i think the biggest thing is body language on the mound and, and body language throughout the whole day um, i feel like once a team knows they have you kind of as a starter you're basically, your day is done. So um, just kind of being the same person throughout the whole day, I think is kind of what I reiterate to some of the pitchers that I talk to. And you talk about staying the same person throughout the day, throughout the season. How do you keep a level head throughout the ups and downs of the season? Uh, for me, it's kind of easy. So I didn't play for two years. So anything I get to do now, I kind of look as a, as a bonus. So good, bad. To me, it doesn't really matter as long as you know I'm out there. I, I put my best foot forward, um, and I gave my chance to team to win. So, yeah, and that's super important. Is taking away the positives, especially you know after the injuries that you've gone through and, and the you know and the difficulties that that has been. It's it's good that you kind of take a look at that and take a step back and go, okay, I'm pitching today. I'm on the mound. 
that's that's a win that's that's a big that's a big day for me hold on we'll get right back to back to the futures but first we want to share a message from our friends at 78 sports do you have kids playing baseball or softball we all know practice time is limited especially here in new england not to mention the cost of lessons and cage time can add up very quickly save yourself time and money by giving your kids what they need to work on their game at home our friends at 78 sports can help you put together the perfect at-home training setup whether you want to start small with just a tee and a net are looking to set up a full cage with turf and a pitching machine, they have you covered. And I've used their stuff before. I've seen their facilities. They definitely cover everything. The team at 78 Sports design and install hundreds of at-home and commercial sports training facilities. So let them help you find the perfect setup for your space. Visit the 78 Sports website at 78sports.com. That's S-E-V-E-N-T-Y, the number eight, sports.com. For a limited time only, by just mentioning Back to the Futures, you'll receive a 10% discount off your order. That's S-E-V-E-N-T-Y, number eight, sports.com. Now, back to your regularly scheduled programming. And in terms of coaching staff, you know, you guys have had a couple of good coaches in the past in Westfield, but none other than Kyle Dombrowski, who is your coach this year. We had him on the podcast last season, spoke very highly of this team coming in this year. What has he taught you about the game? Um, kind of just the body language aspect of it. Um, it's funny, I actually played against him in college um, back in 2019. So we've kind of known each other for a little bit. He's been close to a couple of teammates I knew in college. Um, yeah, kind of just like like he says every day, we don't, we don't really care about wins, essentially. We care about how we go about our business each day. Um, so like if you put your best foot forward and a team beats you, like we'll live with it. But if you're out there kind of going through the motions and and not putting in your best effort, then that's when he kind of has a problem with it. So I just reiterate and like, not every day you're going to have your best stuff, but you better put in your best effort. And on the episode I mentioned where he came on the podcast, he mentioned a lot about slowing the game down and being able to take it day by day. What, what have you, what is kind of your opinion on that? And how do you yourself kind of try and slow the game down and, and make sure it comes to you instead of trying to rush everything? I think it's easy as a pitcher, especially to kind of rush things. Um, obviously when you're in a groove, you kind of have a, a set tempo you want to work through, but when things aren't going right, it's always just trying to find something that like relaxes you, calms you down or gets you to the next pitch. So just kind of finding that thing that essentially makes you care less about what's going on and how kind of dial it back in. So I know most guys step off the back of the mound, go for a little walk with the pitch clock. Now it's a little different. I haven't really seen many called, but there's still enough times where you can kind of regroup and get after the next pitch. In this season and last season, you've seen some appearances coming out of the pen. What differences have you experienced mentally and in your pregame regimen that when you start versus coming out of the pen? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really different. This is, so last year in the first, last year was basically the first year I've ever pitched out of the bullpen. Um, Kind of just your throwing routine changes in a sense. You're you're not as long most days. You're kind of doing pull downs, trying to stay as explosive as you can for shorter outings. Um, it's a little different, kind of staying loose. Especially I'm not used to really stretching twice or kind of getting up, down, up, down. So it's been different, but I, I've enjoyed it. It's helped me a little bit. I appreciate starting definitely um, and kind of figuring out how to go about relieving a little bit better. 
And one thing we've talked about with guys who have done both start and uh, coming out of the pen is the difference between kind of how you're pitching, you know, guys sometimes are taught to throw very, very fast or taught to throw very, very fast in short appearances. Other guys are told to kind of spread it out. Have you found that there's a difference in the way that you pitch or is it more the same? You're just coming out of the pen versus starting. So usually starting, I'm, I'm trying to mix in all four of my pitches um, out of the pen. I'm looking for just basically fastball command and one off speed that's on that day. So whether it's curveball, change up slider, it's kind of just pairing one pitch with another that is at a high level that day. Um, so it's just finding like what's working that day almost. You talked a little bit about your arsenal right there. What's your favorite pitch to throw? Um, I'd have to say fastball, but my changeup's probably my best pitch. And what's your go-to pitch when you're trying to get a strikeout up 0-2, 1-2? What's your, what are you throwing? That's, that's a tough one. So, so lefty, I'm going to go change up. Righty, I'm probably going to go heater up or curve down. Yeah. And that's super important to kind of establish that when, you know, when you're pitching against guys, Hey, we're not here to give anything away. You'll, you'll, you'll throw a different pitch, but that's, that's good that you know that, you know, I mean, there's, there's no, there's no secrets. I've been in this league for five years now. (laughs) Everybody knows. Yeah. The Norwich is like, you're like taking notes on this episode for sure. And you talked earlier about the talent that is on your team, and, and that's become very evident with Nick Searcy, who's currently leading the league in RBIs and home runs, and it's just on another level each and every night. What is it like to watch him and keep and watch him keep putting balls over the fence? It's it's kind of crazy. Um, he goes about baseball the right way every day. He, um, he's very attentive to detail. Kind of kind of likes to feel out his swing, um, but he's a special player. He's really good. What he's been able to do. Is, is absurd. He he hits every single ball hard. It's it's crazy. And if he kind of gets out, it's it's quality at bat. It's like nine, ten pitches. So he's doing everything he can to give us the best chance to win every night. Before we return to Back to the Futures, we want to share a message from our friends at Zorian Bat Company. Rob Zorian started the company Zorian Bat Company in 2003, literally out of the trunk of his car in Davie, Florida. Within two years, he was selling his wood bat line to Major League Baseball and continues to manufacture the highest grade wood bats for Little League, all the way up to the majors. Rob Zorian, founder and president of Zorian, says, I started the company in 2003 to service all baseball players in the United States and beyond. And after 19 years, our mission has not changed. We are very excited to have the opportunity to work with the Futures League and wish all of our players and coaches a healthy and successful season ahead. For more information about Zorian, visit their website, zorianbats.com. Zorian, America's baseball brand. Now, back to Back to the Futures. And jumping over to school ball a little bit, on July 1st, NEC moved into the GNAC. What's, uh, what do you expect going into a new conference? Uh, definitely a lot better like baseball schedule. So it's kind of tough. Our last conference, we only had three other teams, Mitchell, Eastern Naz, and then Leslie. So uh, with, with the amount of teams in this conference, it should be a little different, like scouting report-wise. Everyone knew what everyone had last year in the NECC. So kind of just managing throughout the whole year and, and playing a lot of different schools that we haven't played will be good for us because I feel like it gives us kind of an edge. 
In 2019 at NEC, you threw 40 innings to a tune of a 2.48 ERA, and then you came out in 2022, coming back from injury, throwing 50 over 50 innings to a 1.61. What led you to making such a big leap and dropping your already outstanding ERA by almost a whole run? Kind of, kind of just reinventing myself as a pitcher. Um, early on, I had a lot of walks, struggled with command. So uh, kind of looked at my mechanics a little bit, especially out of the windup. I felt like it wasn't uh, fluid enough to continue my mechanics each each pitch. So once we figured that out, I was throwing more strikes and ultimately led to like, better results. So I wanted guys to beat me as opposed to me putting them on base and then creating for any scenario that could happen. And in the innings you tossed in 2022, you only allowed 22 hits and nine earned runs while striking out 78-9. How do you continue to put up absolute video game numbers, and do you look for strikeouts? So I think early on in my career, I definitely did look for strikeouts. Um, but the older I got, kind of realized that if we can go deeper into games, it's better for the team. So I just attacking um, early on and and kind of keeping that same mindset even O2. So like 2022 at school, I was probably 90% fastball. was basically the whole year. Didn't really have to mix too much. And that led to kind of the success I had. Yeah, and those video game numbers continued in conference where you pitched 24 innings in four games. And you found a way, you mentioned it, to go deeper in games while allowing two earned runs, putting, up your, putting your ERA at .75 having a K-9 of over 15 and a batting average against of 104. Knowing the importance of conference games, do you have an extra edge against those teams or any extra motivation to beat them? Uh, definitely, yeah. I mean, in conference game, there's a lot there's a lot more chirping. There's a lot more uh, screaming from each side. So knowing that uh, Mitchell's typically the powerhouse, we always kind of went into those games wanting to win. But yeah, I mean, we just kind of had fun with it in a sense. Like, I'm going into each start thinking of my game plan, not really theirs. So, like, I don't pitch to hitters' weaknesses. I kind of just pitch to my strength the whole time and kind of just let it, let whatever happens, happens. And you hit three batters in 2022. Did you get to see any of the battle wounds you left as we, we've seen your power fastball? I have not been able to see them, but honestly, most of them are probably on curveballs. And in 2018, you were the New England Rookie of the Year by D3 Baseball. How did you feel getting that award, coming in and showing dominance right away? I mean, it, it was really cool. So growing up, I was basically a catcher my whole life. That year was my first year being a pitcher. So seeing the success I could have with that kind of right away was pretty cool. So it definitely meant a lot. And then going off that in 2022, along with NECC Pitcher of the Year, you were first team All-Region and fourth team All-American by D3Baseball.com. How cool was it to get recognized not only on a regional scale, but on a national scale? I mean, it was really cool. Obviously, you know, our conference is a little smaller, so I wasn't sure if it was going to happen. But um, it meant a lot to me my first full year back from injury, especially in college, where, you know, you're – there with your friends and and you have a deep bond with your coaches it means a lot to uh, kind of go out there and put put that type of season together especially for them and it led us to a lot of success I mean we lost in the championship but we were able to host for the first time ever so it was pretty cool 
Yeah, that's an incredible experience being able to host one of those games. And I mentioned that you were fourth team All-American. And going beyond that, you were the first All-American baseball player in school history. What did that mean to you to be have your name edged in history like that? Uh, it was it was really special, honestly. So I didn't know if I was ever going to play again. So with that being said, like to do something like that for that school that has meant so much to me and, and has helped me grow as a person and a player, um, to be etched kind of in the history of it means a lot. For, and I'll definitely always kind of visit that area and be around for sure. Scrolling through the roster, we saw your brothers at school on the same team as you. What's that like? How's that dynamic? Uh, it's really cool. So we actually live together, um, and it's just it's fun. Like we live there kind of all year up in New Hampshire. So when I'm throwing in the off season, he's my throwing partner, and then when he's hitting, I'm flipping or throwing BP to him. So we just kind of have a special bond and kind of help each other out. Like as a, he sees it as a hitter, so if, if I'm throwing off speed and it's flat, he'll let me know. But I'm seeing him swing a little different. I'm kind of letting him know, like, all right, we got to kind of fix that. So it's definitely a cool, cool bond we have. And you're a D3 guy, but you're still throwing in the nines off the mound. You have to know that teams, when they see NEC on their calendar, they're circling those games, especially if you're pitching. Does that add any extra pressure to you? Uh, not necessarily, no. I mean, we we play teams all the time. Well, I've played with guys and played against guys, so the secret's kind of never been a secret so kind of just going out there and pitching most times when guys hear that they kind of lose a little confidence and I don't really have to worry about it too much because that's half the battle of, of going on the mound or going in the box is being confident so I think just me being confident every time I go on the mound helps me in that in that battle and one thing that you don't necessarily get hardware for but it's always in there mentally is throwing 90 miles per hour. How did it feel to hit such a milestone that many pitchers collegiate and professional may never reach? Uh, it was, it was really cool. So um, before injury, I would hit it once in a while, but I wasn't ever really consistent. Um, didn't know what to expect after injury because you never really know. Um, and then once I got on a mound in the future league tryout, um, it kind of just came consistently, which it was really cool to see all the hard work through PT and working out and everything kind of just pay off. And we talked about this with pretty much everyone that's come on that's been in Division Three, but I want to ask you as well: How much pride do you take in playing for a Division Three school? A lot of pride. I mean, especially our school, we have a lot of good players there. Um, especially playing the Futures League, and we're kind of all just hungry to prove that you know we might have been overlooked or not even thought of out of high school, but we've still used what we have and what we can to kind of develop into the players we are, essentially. So like Wyatt Cameron came in and he was 74, 76, and the other day he touched 94. Like our, our culture and our team is just, we want to get better, we want to work harder. So to be at a Division three school doing that is, is kind of unheard of essentially, but we just all wanted to get after it. Yeah, and we talked a lot, a lot about that on this season of the podcast, specifically in Division Three. how you guys in Division Three are getting the opportunity to come to leagues like the Futures League and be able to play against these Division One guys and do stuff like you just said with Wyatt Cameron, who's 20, what, 20 miles an hour above where he started and stuff like that. Just being able to develop your talent in a league like this is awesome. Yeah, definitely. 
And you mentioned Wyatt Cameron. He is one of a couple of NEC guys floating around the Futures League, including Luca Gialongo and Tim Kroll. Do you have a little extra motivation when you're facing those guys? So I actually have never faced uh, Luca, but the first time I was facing him was this spring. It's actually when I fractured my foot. So I'm not sure if that, that matchup is going to bring back a little PTSD, but um, Timmy doesn't really hit. I play with Timmy, so we kind of throw every day. And then we also have Alex Perez in the league, who we kind of just hang out in the bullpen every day, and we're all just talking baseball, trying to get better. Yeah, that's great to be able, be able to have those guys in the league for you. And in 2020, obviously, COVID happened. Everything went haywire. But the one thing that everybody gained was those extra years of eligibility, which you were trying, you were using here. You're in the portal. You're trying to get an extra grad transfer year. Do you have any inside scoop about schools, or is there any anything that you, I guess, want to advertise about yourself? To this is your chance. It's your chance to advertise yourself to the uh, many baseball scouts of the world. All I know is it's stressful. Um, the whole process, especially being older. Um, I've been filing for my seventh year waiver, so uh, it's been it's been tough, but it's definitely been fun having schools come see you throw and and kind of just not worrying about too much about the results, and they're just trying to look to see if you're healthy, essentially. It's been fun. I mean, I was in the portal last year, kind of went through the whole process. Um, so it's definitely a little stressful, but it's baseball, so it's fun. I mean, to have schools such as the ones that I'm talking to talking to is, is a huge privilege. So you talked about pitching in front of schools, but the other th- another thing that the Futures League allows you to do is pitch in front of pro scouts. We see many scouts come to different games and sit in the stands and watch you guys play ball, especially for you, someone who's a Division three pitcher. What does that mean to be able to be able to not only pitch in front of schools, as you said, but pitch in front of scouts as well? Uh, it's special. I mean, D- Division three, you don't really see it. Um, I think we've had a couple over the years, but nothing too crazy. But I like to see it consistently in this league, whether they're looking at someone else or, or you, you never know who they're going to find. So it's definitely, you have to kind of go about everything you do right because they're looking for the intangibles too, whether you can field your position or hold the runners or, you know, how you bounce back from a little adversity. So it's definitely, it's definitely special to, to be pitching in front of them and you kind of have to lock in a little bit. Yeah, and you've certainly shown it both the tangibles and intangibles on and off the field about, you know, for these scouts. So that, that that's what you want. That's the mentality you want when when going up facing facing guys and knowing that there's people in the stands watching you. For sure. And our final question here for this episode, we appreciate the time that you have given us. What is your favorite all-time baseball memory if you had to choose one? So in 2019, we actually won our conference, won a regional, and then we were one win away from the World Series. Even though I was hurt, just being a part of that team was really special. We had such a deep bond, and we cared about one another more than I've seen on any other team. We only had one coach that year, who was Coach Doyle. So we kind of had to hold ourselves accountable and seeing all our hard work kind of pay off towards the end and being one win away from the re- or, uh, World Series was yeah that's always so special and and being able to have the bonds with those specific teams that you'll remember forever that's you'll always cherish that for sure definitely 
Shane, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate the time. Good luck the rest of the season in Westfield, and we're looking to see if you guys can make that final push for the playoffs here. Thank you, guys. Have a good one. Of course, and you too. This has been Season 7, Episode 7 of Back to the Futures, the official podcast of the Futures League. We have new episodes coming out every Monday. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see everyone soon. Thank you.